just let go. <laughs> we let go of all of our agendas, all of the things that we came here with, our burdens, our grief, the world, whatever's weighing on us, God, and we just make room for you. We make room for you to move, God, because you're so worthy. You're so worthy of our worship. You're so worthy of our praise. We just bring you in, God, and we ask that you would move. We surrender to you, Lord Jesus. We surrender to your movement, whatever that looks like. We praise you in the midst of it, God, because you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy, Jesus.
Pray together, shall we, Mosaic? God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this moment that we can share in together. Thank you for friends. Thank you for companions on the journey. Thank you for your presence. Amen. You may be seated. Brooke, Steph, and Darren, thank you very much. Uh, when I was a kid, one of my favorite cartoons was Scooby-Doo and the Gang. Any Scooby-Doo fans? Um, I think maybe I've shared this before, but just worshiping like that together this morning, it reminds me again. Um, so Scooby and the Gang lived in a very mysterious, enchanted world. Things would happen, it was hard to explain. And they would find themselves trying to solve the mystery, right? They had the mystery machine. And as much as I loved Scooby-Doo and found myself being pulled into the plot that was going on, as I've grown older, I've had to de-Scoobify myself. Because what Scooby taught me is there's no mystery in the world. There's no enchantment in the world. Everything can be solved with human reasoning. Everything can be solved if we just get down to the bottom of the matter. And so I find myself often living that way. And it's a prison. It's a prison that we usher ourselves into, trying to find an explanation for everything. Demystifying the world around us, disenchanting the world around us, believing somehow that we are the masters of our own fate. Um, of course, that doesn't release us from um, a call and a participation but I want to thank Brooke and Stefan and Darren for um, enchanting us again this morning, for mystifying us this morning, for helping us realize how essential it is to say, God, we make room for you. We make room for you to work 
We make room for you to shake the ground. To you, Jesus, are all things because from you are all things and all things are moving towards you and toward your good completion. It's a fascinating, actually enchanting time of the year that we live in, um, not just because yesterday was a top 10 Nebraska weather day. That was enchanting, right? Yes. Um, but because this is the seventh Sunday of the Easter feast. And I, I hope that as you go through your life and journey through more Easter seasons, that you truly allow Easter to truly be like a, 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 just a feast of a celebration. Man, like, death, you are defeated. God, you have worked such good in and through Christ, and we get to be a part of this. You have shown us how the way of self-emptying love is the way of healing for this world. And that's a beautiful thing. So it's the seventh Sunday of Easter, and the seventh Sunday of Easter falls in between these two very mysterious, enchanted other days. One was this past Thursday. And look, you, you read these stories in the gospel, and you're like, okay, either I'm going to step into this mystery, or I'm going to be like, these people were, and this is... Like, it, honestly, Jesus is with his disciples, and after 40 days, he is, like, taken up into a cloud and vanishes before them. I mean, you talk about enchanting mystery. And, and so Thursday was a celebration of the ascension, that as Jesus is departing, ascending to his rightful place of Lord and ruler over every, every power— over every principality, over every dominion, over every ruler, both seen and unseen, he is taking his rightful rule as ruler over all of them, over all that is seen and unseen. And, and then he says, as you have seen me depart, one day I will come again. Like, man, that is just mystery. That is such mystery. And then um, next Sunday... Um, is Pentecost Sunday, and the Jewish people would gather in Jerusalem, and they'd be celebrating um, kind of the second part of their harvest, and they would be offering their, their grains from the second part of the harvest at the temple, and as they're gathered there, like, this wind comes in, and there's these tongues of fire, and, like, people are filled with the presence of God, so the, the presence of Jesus is, ascends into heaven, but now these people are going to get the presence of God in them to be the people of Jesus in the world, right? To love in the self-emptying ways that he loves. To entrust themselves into the Father's care as Jesus entrusted himself into his Father's care. Like, the, this is the movement. This is the mystery and the enchantment before us. Uh, and guys, so I, I realize, like, there are um, a lot of things happening in our calendars right now. Um, and perhaps they're great. Man, don't miss, don't miss that calendar of like how God has worked in the world and what he's inviting you and I to be a part of. Um, when I reference that there are powers and principalities and dominions and rulers in the world, both seen and unseen, um, what I'm acknowledging is something that the Bible acknowledges over and over and over again. That the whole cosmic universe is filled with mystery that can't fully be explained. And oftentimes, those rulers and powers and principalities and authorities, um, they are antagonistic towards the ways of God. And, and these are powers and principalities and rulers, again, they're, they're both seen and unseen, and they're antagonistic towards the ways of God. And they would love nothing more than to wreak havoc in our world, as they do. And I believe that a lot of that havoc is being unleashed around us. That's why I think we can just look around and say, there's a lot going on that we can't control. And that doesn't release us from doing things that need to be done. So don't, don't misunderstand me. 
It, but yet at the same time, like, I think all of us realize, man, the world is just filled with a lot of madness right now. And things are constantly changing and loss and hurt and pain is all around us. And honestly, this is nothing new to the world. I think we just find ourselves living in a day and age where it seems to be kind of hitting us full force, right? Um, especially for a lot of, all of us here who have kind of lived, I think, over the last couple of decades, which has kind of been a pretty comfortable time in the midst of the American empire, you know? But now things are like, whew, what is going on? And so I, this morning, we want to talk about how do, how do we be people of Easter how do we continue to be people of Easter in the midst of a world where like Good Friday losses are very real? Because Good Friday losses will continue to happen. Some of you are walking through losses right now. All of us in some way. I believe all of us in some way are walking through losses right now. Some loss of a dream, of a hope, of a plan that you had of a desire that you have. I, I'm walking through them, and I know that you're walking through them. And so let's just kind of be in solidarity with each other this morning and realize that each of us here are walking through loss in some kind of way right now. And it looks different for each of us, but that doesn't minimize your loss and what you're walking through. And powers and principalities and leaders and dominions and those authorities that are antagonistic towards the ways of God they love to bring loss into your life. They love to wreak havoc on you, and they would love nothing more than to get below the surface of your life. And we've been looking at this iceberg image in our last number of our gatherings. They'd love to get under the surface of your life at who you really are and just wreak all kinds of emotional immaturity in there. They themselves are often emotionally immature, and they want to pull you into their emotional immaturity. But to be people of Easter, to be the people of Jesus, should mean, should mean that we are allowing the spirit of Jesus to build emotional maturity in us rather than allowing emotionally immature, immaturity to be stirred within us. Are you with me? Are you with me? Now, unfortunately, we don't often see that modeled in the church. And that's one of the tragedies that's happening around us. Is we often see the church getting caught up in emotionally immature kind of movement and then participating with those powers and principalities and authorities that are antagonistic towards the way of God, and we find ourselves participating with those things. It's one of the reasons why I'm so thankful for Mosaic, is what does it look like for us not to participate with those ways, but to be the people of God in a different kind of way? Um, I've mentioned Pete Scazzaro's name before. Pete Scazzaro has a book that I read a number of years ago, um, uh, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, Emotionally Healthy Church. There's a couple of series. And um, in particular, you know, he, he shows us that image of the iceberg. And um, yeah, how do we pay attention to what's going on underneath? And this morning, guys, I simply want to take just a moment. How do we live as Easter people when we're facing loss? when you're walking through loss. And when you're walking through loss, um, you have to pay attention to the story of Job. Job is a man who has experienced loss. Um, Job 1, 1 in verses 6 through 8. The story of Job opens us up to a story of enchantment. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan, in, in very mysterious words, Satan, in Hebrew, the Satan was this antagonistic way toward the ways of God. I'm just going to leave it at that. It's, I think we do too much danger if we try to explain exactly what or who the Satan is. That, that's not important. What is important is that the Satan is, is a very real presence of something that is antagonistic towards the ways of God. So one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. 
I remember the first time I really interacted with this next verse, I considered possibly walking away from my faith. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Why would you do that? (laughs) I don't know. I still don't have an answer. There is no one on earth like him. Sorry, I'm just being really honest right now. I told you this is a hard verse for me. He is blameless and upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. So a very mysterious, enchanted picture that's given to us here. Something that we can't fully explain. But yet, this is the story. Um, If we know the story of Job, we know that Job then experiences tremendous loss. And and we've talked about it in here many times. Job tells us, um, first and foremost, that doing good does not equal getting good. Right? That's just not how the world works. And we have to accept that. Doing good does not equal getting good. And we're not going to try to explain why that is. It's just something that we need to accept as Job had to go through. Um, But we do get to chapter 2 of Job in verses 7 through 10. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. Keep going. His wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. Like I think this is the modern rational mind fully at work here in Job's wife. This This is the fully rational modern mind. Why do you even give yourself over to this mystery? Just forget it. Walk away from it. You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. And as you stick with the story of Job, and I'm only going to share a couple of things here, then I want to invite Ashley forward, because I, I, I want Ashley to bring some flesh and bone to this. Um, movements for Easter people when walking through loss. Whatever your loss might be right now, I think Job shows us some good movement if you stick with the story of Job. In particular, um, embrace silence. Job embraces a lot of silence. Now, Job also does some speaking. He shares honestly with God, and that is necessary. And it's only natural that when you're going through loss, like, man, there are all kinds of things that you're saying either verbally or non-verbally. They're in your head and heart, right? But in the midst of all of that chatter, that is necessary because we have to get that out. Job often embraces silence. He just sits in the ashes and zips it. When you're going through loss, look for opportunities to just be silent. Job invites us into that kind of movement. Um, Secondly, embrace limits. Job embraces limits. Job is often just sitting in the ashes, being completely, what we would say, unproductive. And yet at the same time, that's exactly where Job needed to be facing his loss being completely unproductive according to the modern mind, but yet embracing his limits and seeing them as a gift. He didn't have what it takes to just go on with the normal schedule. He embraced limits for his body. He embraced limits for his mind. And I think he embraced limits even for his soul and his spirit. And he just sat in the ashes. And so I encourage you, whatever loss you're walking through, embrace limits. You don't have to be that productive, modern person at work. Third, attend to God's presence. 
Attend to God's presence and wait on him. God is no stranger to suffering. That's the unique part of the Christian story, right? Is that God took on human flesh, entered into our pain and suffering, and fully entered into loss himself. And so God shows us that he resides in the midst of loss. He resides in the suffering at the hands of powers and authorities and rulers and principalities that are antagonistic towards the way of God. So whatever loss you're going through, God is present with you in that. Just acknowledge that. He's there. And then wait on him. Wait on him because if you open yourself to the new thing that God can bring about, and that's what resurrection life is all about, right? That the worst thing is never the last thing. That God is ultimately always working in some mysterious way, and we open ourselves up to it. Ashley, would you come on up here? And um, let's give Ashley a hand, everyone. We love Ashley Fargo around here. I'm going to get a couple stools. Ashley, have a seat right there. I'll give that to you. And I know some of us here know Ashley's story, maybe not all of us. Um, But just to bring a little flesh and bone to... Walking through loss, Ashley, can you take just a few moments and um, can you share with us the loss that you found yourself walking through um, five years ago? Uh, Yeah, Um, so I'm Ashley. Um, If you don't know me, I am married to Nick, the the bearded guy in the back. Um, And we have three living daughters, um, Ellie, Avery, and Emma, and they're all in, I have a seventh grader, third grader, second grader. Um, But I'm also um, Oliver's mom. Um, And Oliver was born five years ago, about um, January 20th, and he was full term, and he was perfect. He was beautiful, um, healthy for the most part of what we thought. Um, And about 24 hours in, um, he started having some respiratory issues. And I am a nurse by trade, so I'm going to try to not... um, get so stuck about that on the medical part of all of Oliver because there is so much of it. Um, So I'm going to try to focus more on kind of where I was with God during that time and then um, how God kind of uh, just helped us continue to live after that. So um, yeah, there's a picture of Ollie. He was great. So like I said, he was having respiratory issues about 24 hours in. Um, I mean, they did a bunch of tests, and uh, no one could really figure out exactly what was going on with him, but they drew his labs, and his ammonia level was high. Um, And this was a a long, drawn-out process to get to the final diagnosis, Um, but what Oliver had um, in the end was a metabolic disorder. And so the way I, I explain that um, in simple terms is just that his liver uh, did not digest protein appropriately. So when he ate, his protein went to his liver and Oliver lacked the enzyme to break down uh, some of the, um, the stuff that should be filtered out of his body. So he lacked something to take the ammonia, which is toxic in your body, to excrete it through the kidneys. That's like a very simplified version. There's much more and I can get into it, but I won't. Um, But anyway, uh, because of all of that, um, he had multiple organ failure. Um, He had seizures, he was on the ventilator. Um, He needed continuous dialysis for a long time. Um, And then on day seven of his life, um, it was pretty apparent that he was not going to Um, be healed. Um, And through that whole week, um, I think Nick and I were just kind of numb a little bit. And I know that I prayed a lot. I was, at first I was like, okay, God, there's specific things that I need you to heal. I need you to have his ammonia come down. I need you to get him off dialysis. I need you this, this, this. Um, And then towards the end of the week, uh, it kind of became more of a, God, I need, need you to do your will in this. Um, and, and I say that, and I don't want you to think that I have this all figured out because I absolutely do not. Um, but at the time, I think there was some uh, 
presence and peace that I had, that I knew that Ali wasn't going to live, that he was going to die and go be with Jesus. Um, and I think God gave me some, some weird strength to like be able to walk those few days after that. Um, but anyway, on January 27th, he died. And we had the girls come up and say goodbye to him. And Nick and I held him and we took all of the medical tubes off and we just got to hold him for almost an hour before, uh, before he passed away. Um, so that's kind of like the short edited version yeah. of Ollie. But um, I know after there was uh, a lot of times that, that we were just very numb and we sat in the ashes like Job, there was, I think the day after we came home after he died, I'm pretty sure um, I did not feed my children. I'm pretty sure my Ellie, who was eight at the time, she opened a bag of Doritos and fed my uh, four and three-year-old. Um, <laughs> so there was a lot of times of things like that where it was just really hard uh, to just continue to keep going. Ashley, thank you for sharing that part of the story with us, and um, I think all of us here who know the Fargo as well, I remember I, I had just come to Lincoln at that time, and I had heard stories about this family who was so influential and so giving in so many ways to really the startup of Mosaic, and in so many ways realizing like this community wouldn't be here um, if it weren't for the self-emptying love of these people, and I think for me there was a sense of like why would this happen to them? Um, and Ashley, I know here you are five years, and obviously it's the sting and the grief is still real at times, there's no doubt. But I wanted to ask you, could you share with us um, what are some things that you've just experienced on this journey, two or three things that you would want to share with us in light of any loss that any of us may be walking through right now, whatever that might look like. Like, here's a couple of things that I would share with you, Mosaic, as I look back at this journey. Um, yeah, so I am no expert, and I uh, have screwed up this journey a lot. Let's just put that out there, <laughs> just in general, first thing. Um, and a lot of the things I learned um, sometimes seem kind of simplistic and then also can be very complicated at the same time. And so I think when I say some of these things, you're like, well, duh. Um, but you can be very angry with God. And I think one of the things, I was thinking about this this morning when I woke up, um, a, a story that I think explains this pretty well is that um, while I, Nick and I were grieving, my girls were also grieving. And um, one of my girls was like, I am not talking to God anymore. Like, we're done. I'm not talking. I'm mad. I'm not praying. And the uh, conservative Christian little girl that I grew, the church that I grew up in was like, oh, no, you shouldn't ever be mad at God. You either, you know, mad at God and you're not following him or you're happy and joyful and praising God. Um, but I think I realized in that moment that you, you can be both. Um, you don't have to just be angry and mad and sad. You can be joyful and happy all at the same time. Um, and someone told me um, after Ollie died that I don't get to have shallow emotions anymore, which is absolutely true. Um, I always grieve Ollie, and I always have all of the pain that I have, that I had right when it happened. I've always had that in my heart, and I will always carry that with me. But I also um, realize that I cannot stop trying to see um, where God is, is taking our lives. Um, and I'm not saying that I got to that journey very well. Um, there was a lot of times where I was angry and I was sad and I did not want to do this anymore. And I just wanted to say, you know what? Forget it. Forget it all. I don't care. Um, I'm done. But I had three little girls that I had to keep going for. And Nick, too. Um, 
And so I got up and I started saying thank you to Jesus. I said, thank you for Oliver, because if I had the choice of doing it again or not having him, I absolutely would want to have him. Um, and so even when I didn't mean it, I, uh, I got up and I prayed and I said, God, thank you for Ollie. And sometimes I believed it and sometimes I didn't. And some days it helped me get through what I needed to that day. Um, but over time, uh, God really just, I think he gave me peace in a lot of things. Not that, that my pain would ever be healed or go away, but he gave me the, the strength to really know that, like, that his peace can cover your hurt. Um, and that doesn't mean that it'll magically be fixed because there is no pretty bow at the end of the story. Like, my son is dead, and that's just how it is. Um, but I've learned so many things because he died also which is very confusing because there's this tension of like, yes, I wanted my son to live and I would trade every lesson that I've learned to have him be alive and with us and healthy. Um, but also if he hadn't died, I would not be the mom and the wife and the nurse and the person that I am because he did live. Um, and so learning to live in that tension and learning to live in that tension with God also um, is something that I'm still learning how to do and um, just continuing to try to live out each day. Um, I don't know if that answered your question exactly, but. <laughs> I think it's, Ashley, it's helpful just to hear you speak some of these things. And guys, again, there's, you know, our, our hope this morning is there's no magic solution or magic piece of advice that's being offered. I think, Ashley, just hearing you remind us again how important it is to allow both anger and gratitude to coexist um, and maybe sometimes just the anger <laughs> yeah. yeah you know but yet you found yourself staying open to gratitude and and I think just hearing you speak like there was a mysterious you found yourself being a mysterious recipient of peace even on yeah, the journey and it, it came in different ways and sometimes it was really silly like um well, like today, for instance, um, how great thou art wasn't kind of just stuck on the end there, but that was something that Nick and I sang to Ollie as um, we held him before he died, um, and it's still something that we sing to the girls, and so when it came up today, I was like, for real? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, God would show up in little ways like that, um, and, and each little bit. Um, where I would see God and I would see him move and I would see that he still loves me and that he's still with me. Um, even when it felt like he was being very silent and quiet, um, it helped a little bit. Yeah. It brought a little more peace. Absolutely. Um, maybe just lastly, Ashley, you know, it's just kind of, here's one way that I've just seen God's grace at work over the last five years. I know you, you even you know, have shared with me a little bit like God's, God's grace has been present there even in the midst of the sting. And um, here's just one tangible reminder of how God's grace has been present. Yikes. Um, well, I didn't prep for that question. <laughs> um, I think I'm reminded that I guess something that helped me was to know that God's son died too. Um, which sounds really simplistic. Be like, oh yeah, we're, we're buddies because our son's died. But, um, but knowing that he also felt and knows what I felt um, and that he did that to, to save us and to cover our sins. Um, I don't, in a weird way that that brought some peace mm. to my heart. Um, and it helps me to see that I not only need to have grace for other people and their grief and their loss, because um, every grief and loss is, is not the exact same as mine, but it's, it's, it's hurt and pain and suffering. Um, and we all go through that. Um, and knowing that 
that God is there and he does have, have grace for you um, made me really see that I could have grace for other people and I could have grace for myself so that when those times came and they still come when I am sad or angry um, or even when I'm joyful and happy and thankful for all the life that I have, um, God's grace is wrapped up in all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't have to be just happy or just sad and it's not anything that's ever going to have an end to be fully fixed um but and then and it won't get fully fixed until until jesus comes and and he comes back and and at that point it won't matter what happened in this world it will i'll be joyful and happy uh ashley i don't know whether you know it or not but you just preached a eucharistic sermon um, God himself um, meets us with grace because he enters into loss himself. And um, yeah, God is no stranger to a son being lost um, due to just a harsh reality in this world. Um, and I love it that um, I see how God has in so many ways led you and your family as walking through this loss and this grief, how you guys have such hearts for others who are walking through loss and grief. And um, thank you for embodying that so well to all of us um, as you walk with us. And in Mosaic in particular now, really that's um, the culmination of just this morning is an opportunity to say whatever loss that you may find yourself walking through right now, um, would you know that God is present with you in that loss. He is present with you in that loss. And he is able to extend peace in ways that surpass our human understanding. Um, We become recipients of that peace as we wait on God, but also as we walk um, this journey together, encouraging, supporting one another. Ashley, thank you for um, encouraging us this morning. And um, I'll keep that mic off. Uh, In particular, this is um, what I'd like us to do at this moment. And I want to invite um, Courtney and Erica to come up front here. Courtney and Erica, come on up front. I'll let you hold the elements here. Uh, If you guys don't know Courtney and Erica, they... um, have been wonderful school teachers, are wonderful school teachers right here within LPS. Um, Let's hear it for the school teachers. Um, Yes. And teaching school is hard these days, is it not? Yeah, exactly. And uh, Courtney and Erica, are they themselves kind of walking through a time of reevaluating just how is God at work in their life? How is God at work in their call? I wish it weren't so, but I'm glad it is so because they're, they're paying attention to how God is working in their life and they both have realized that this is a time maybe to step away from teaching, just create a space, um, let themselves be ministered to by God and um, maybe kind of walk through that loss of things looking different than maybe they had thought or, you know, it being a different experience than they had thought and... Um, they're doing what you do um, when you're walking through loss. You go to the mountains of Colorado. Uh, and so, yeah, they're moving in a couple of weeks. Um, but uh, Courtney and Erica, thank you for the part that you both have been to our community here and to LPS and just your love for students and your love for this community um, of Lincoln. And um, so I want to invite us as we come forward to these elements this morning, as you come forward, would you just you know, just pray a blessing over Courtney and Erica as you come to receive um, the very things that they're holding out to you, which is that um, Jesus, before he fully entered loss himself, took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, this is my body, which is for you. And also then at the end of that meal, he took a cup And as a sign of God's unfailing love for us, he said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood. It's a sign of the forgiveness of sins, uh, that all are fully welcome into the 
the new work of healing and restoration that God is doing in the world. Uh, so I want to invite us to stand. Would you stand with me, Mosaic? And um, let me pray for us. And after I pray, let's just use this as an opportunity just to say, hey, we, God, we are your Easter people. We are your Easter people still living in a world filled with Good Friday losses. And uh, teach us how to live. Teach us how to stay open to the mystery and the enchantment that your good work is still going on, even in the midst of loss. God, thank you for each and every person who is here. Thank you for Courtney and Erica and the ways that they have loved in such self-emptying ways um, to friends and family, but so many students that they have served. And we pray that you would usher them into a season of restoration and renewal, but also a season of encountering you in fresh new ways, um, that you would lead them um, to the thing that you are doing in their life. They're already on that path, but continue to lead them, we pray in your mercy. And I pray for each of us here in whatever loss we're walking through right now, that you would um, allow us to leave here with a sense of of, of just hope that we can still live as Easter people, open to you, even in the midst of loss. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mosaic, we practice an open communion here. This is simply you responding with a yes to God's yes that he has already offered to you. There's no compulsion to come, but if you feel so led, you can leave your seat, walk along the black, black curtain in the back, come alongside the blue wall here. Uh, let's partake together as Brooke and Stefan and Darren lead us in this song.
Thanks for leading us, guys. Good to be together, isn't it, Mosaic? Man. Um, before you go, we want to let you know of just a couple important things. First off, um, Mosaic Core. So Mosaic Core is that part of Mosaic that says, hey, our, our voices are with what God is doing here, and we want to discern what God's Spirit is doing here. And so at various times throughout the year, um, Mosaic Core lends their voices to like, hey, help us discern how God is at work. And uh, our directional team here is really our team of overseers, elders, who um, just really prayerfully just kind of watches over Mosaic, considering who is God calling us to be in the world in this unique time. And I am so thankful for those who serve on our directional team, the, the women and men who are with me on this journey. And um, we... Uh, added Deepak Kashwani to our uh, directional team. Deepak, come on up here. Um, so our Mosaic Core, watch your step. Come on up here, Deepak. I want everyone to see your face. Um, if you don't know Deepak and his wife, Jenny, make sure to say hello to them. But um, I'm really thankful, as I know the rest of the team is, for Deepak joining us um, on the directional team and just helping us discern uh, how we continue to move forward as a church. And look, all of us know here, we're a unique breed. Um, I think that works for us in a lot of ways, and that also just makes things very unique around here. And so the directional team has a role of really listening for, all right, God, you've invited us to be a unique breed, but whew, we want to just continue to be sensitive to just how you're at work, how we need to be paying attention. And I'm glad that Deepak is in that wrestle with us. Um, so I just wanted you to... Um, C.D. Puck, thank you for affirming him. Um, those of you on Mosaic Core, if you're not on Mosaic Core, if you'd like to be, just go to mosaiclincoln.com uh, slash core and let us know. Um, your voice is welcome. So say hello to Deepak um, when you leave. Yeah. All right, Deepak, that's all I got for you, man. Um, love you, brother. Love you. And also, um, Brooke, where'd Brooke go? Brooke Carlson, where are you? I want Brooke up. Oh, she's behind me. Duh. That's right. You just sang. My goodness. Is that microphone still up here anywhere? You can... Oh, there it is, right there. Perfect. Um, sorry, have a seat one second. Um, so uh, Brooke and her team of those at Disrupting Traffic, um, Brooke, give us the elevator pitch, Disrupting Traffic. You know, 30 seconds, what's the big picture overall goal for, for those who don't know? Um, so we exist to break the cycle of trafficking and sexual exploitation in Nebraska. Um, we do that through outreach to the commercial sex industry, um, through providing resources to those that have been trafficked or are at risk to trafficking. Um, and then we also have a resource center that um, provides basic needs items to women who are at risk in our community and who are vulnerable in our community. Perfect. When you give to Mosaic, um, not only do you help us support our general offering and just the expenses that we have here, but also a portion of that offering um, helps fuel uh, the movement of disrupting traffic and Brooke's movement within that. And so that's a beautiful thing. But in particular, I know the Resource Center, you guys just opened that up. It's, has it been a year yet? September. September will be a year. So it's not even quite a year yet. Mm -hmm. um, and the Resource Center is something that we want to get behind, guys. This is what we're asking you to do. Um, there are four items that we want you to bring in abundance when we gather in two weeks, all right? Right here, they are on the screen. Take your phone out, take a picture. And would you, in the next two weeks, as you are doing your shopping, would you just pick up as many of these items as you can? Um, if you're not going to be here on June 4th for our next gathering, that's okay. Get them to us another way. Just let us know. 
um, we would love to bring these in abundance to the Resource Center. And we want to do this at various times throughout the year, but we're going to do it in a couple of weeks. And uh, just a great opportunity for us to partner alongside with Disrupting Traffic. But then also, we will be sending out an email this week. If you're not on the Mosaic email list, um, go to mosaic.com, mosaiclincoln.com, sign up for that. We're looking to pull together a team of 10 to 15 people on Sunday, July, I'm sorry, Sunday, June 11th. So on June 4th, our next gathering here, we will bring these items so that on the next Sunday, which is a Tessera weekend where we don't gather here, uh, we're looking for a team of 10 to 15 people. So maybe you're like, hey, my Tessera group might want to do that. Or just maybe you don't have a Tessera group, but you're like, I just want to sign up and be a part of that. Look for that email this week, and we're going to gather for a few hours over at the Resource Center and clean, organize, a couple other little projects, you know. So put on some clothes that can get a little dirty and uh, come on out. A great way for us to come alongside them and support them. Is there anything else we should know about that, Brooke? Don't be afraid to bring your kids. Um, we do have, like, a kid's room that has toys and books and uh, my son is always like, Mom, can I go to work with you? Because he likes playing in that room. So if you want to bring your kids, that's fine. Like, totally bring them. I don't want that to be a barrier that stops you from coming out. So awesome. there'll be know. stuff for them to do. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot of kids here at Mosaic, don't we? Yeah, no doubt about that. Speaking of kids, I'm sure our Mosaic kids workers are ready for you to pick them up now. Um, Mosaic, uh, may you... May you stay open to the mystery and enchantment of being God's Easter people in a world still filled with Good Friday losses. God is not done doing his good work. Keep waiting on him. Stay open. Grace and peace to each of you. We will be back here in two weeks. Say hello to someone you don't know. Pick those kiddos up. Enjoy this beautiful Nebraska day, guys. Good to see you.